Hello, Sabres fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Sabre Talk podcast. This is Mark Geis, your host, and going to do another one of my weekly, kind of semi-weekly podcasts during the offseason here. Not a ton to talk about, kind of like I said before. In the last show, I did have a lot to talk about because I was able to talk about the draft, free agency, cap situation, all that, but I got so many things out of my system when recording that podcast that there's not a ton left to discuss now. The big news since I recorded that prior podcast was the Jimmy Vesey news, and that's what everybody was talking about. I felt like I didn't necessarily have a unique take on that whole situation. I'm going to say what I thought and what I see the fallout of this decision being, but I don't think I have a a groundbreaking take on the whole VZ situation. I think with so many people talking about it, very few people had any sort of groundbreaking take about it. First, I'll say I I have no problem with Tim Murray making that move, with him deciding I'm going to take the risk, I'm going to trade a third-round pick, I'm going to try to negotiate with VZ, show him how much we want him, hopefully get him thinking about it over the next month and a half, and let's see if we can make something happen. I think it was worth it. I mean, I don't know if I would have done it if I was in his shoes. I think I would have rather gotten another prospect into the system, especially with the pool thinning out. They traded a lot of futures over the last couple years for you know, the Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian deal and the Ryan O'Reilly deal. They've, they've traded a lot of picks and a lot of players out of their prospect pool, so I think they could have used the extra picks try to stock that back up. Not that the prospect pool is bad right now, and I think they did a good job this draft of restocking it and getting a high-level guy like Alex Nylander was fantastic. But really, after Nylander, you don't have any other real high-level prospects. You have a lot of guys that I think will be effective NHL players, but you don't have any sure things. So I would have liked to have had another third-round pick to use and maybe go for a boomer bust type Uh, type prospect there I didn't look at who was there in the third round Uh, third rounders have a very low chance of becoming impact NHL players so I have no problem with Murray making the decision to trade that pick and to try to to try to sign VZ try to take a swing at it Uh, so I don't think that the, the right move after this should be to criticize Tim Murray he took his swing I think a lot of the people complaining about him being over-aggressive are the exact same people who complained the loudest about Darcy Regeer being too passive, being too cautious. And so I think you got to take the good with the bad. You know, sometimes you're going to swing and you're going to miss. Sometimes you're going to, you know, you're going to make the ballsy move and it's going to blow up in your face. And that very well may be what happens with the Evander Kane trade. You know, we may look back on it. A lot of people at the time said that, they didn't like the value of the deal, and that was before more of the stuff came out about Evander Kane. But we all knew that Kane was a risk, and he's made several mistakes now in Buffalo. Who knows how much longer he's going to be here. I don't think he's part of the long-term core, and a big part of that is because of I don't think his salary is going to fit in to the cap and with the other high-level players they have, especially now bringing in Kyle Ocposo, uh and you're going to have to lock up Eichel and Reinhardt, and hopefully they're going to have Ristolainen locked up here before the end of the offseason. That's another thing to talk about. Uh, but I don't think that his salary needs, you know, if he's going to be asking for even a salary comparable to what he has now, 
which is off $5.25 million cap hit. I don't know if the Sabres can fit that in long term, unless they don't want to spend anything on a goalie moving forward. But you know, Tim Murray's already used a first-round pick to trade for a goalie, and I think it goes to show he values the position more than the you know if you were if you were to put every hockey fan every serious hockey fan on a distribution from those that value goaltender the least to those that value goaltender the most you you would find me pretty far on the valuing the least side of that distribution but the fact that Tim Murray was willing to trade a first round pick for a risky guy like Robin Leonard shows that he's at least somewhat to the right on that distribution he values the goaltender position. I think he's going to want to spend money and lock up a goaltender once he finds one that he thinks is a, is a centerpiece. Now, I don't like that philosophy. I I think that especially with the talent that they have, I think the best move would be to spend as little as possible. And I say as little as possible being, you know, having a, a an average to above average starter in goal, but not to lock up five, six, seven million dollars a year in a goalie, which I think the Blackhawks, I think it's it's hurt them a lot having so much money locked up in Crawford. And I've always been kind of a Crawford hater, so I may be biased against him. He has come up big for them in the playoffs sometimes. And I'm not saying that a goaltender can't do that for you. I mean, Dominic Kashuk is the reason why the Sabres somehow almost won a Stanley Cup in 1999, and that was because of him. So I know the impact that a hot goaltender can have but I think the the formula to have consistent long-term success, it's not building from the goal outward or even building with your with the goaltender primary in your mind. I don't think that's the way to build a winner. Uh, so I think if the Sabers do end up spending even you know the median, on a goaltender, the median in the NHL. I don't know what the total is for two goaltenders in the NHL. If you were to, if you were to take the median of all those, you know, it might be it might be five and a half, six million dollars. Uh, if the Sabers want to spend that much on their two goaltenders, then they're not going to be able to keep guys like Evander Kane around, complimentary, you know, top six, second line winger types. You're not going to be able to keep those types of guys around. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, but anyways, back to the VZ stuff. I kind of went off on a tangent there. But uh, he ended up choosing the New York Rangers, chose to sign there. Obviously, there was there were no money differences. All these teams were offering the max that they could, the, the maximum salary under an entry-level contract, and then the max bonuses because there was such a bidding war for him. Um, so it wasn't choosing for the money. Uh, if I was him... And I'm completely different probably than a lot of a lot of NHL players who are my age because uh, I'm 24, VZ's 23, uh, so we're right in that same age group. But nothing about New York is really that appealing to me personally. But obviously to VZ, there was. So I think that's a fundamental difference. It's, I think it's something you either are enamored with or you are scared of. And I think... I can't imagine living in a city like New York. Uh, just, I think it's overwhelming isn't the right word because I know I would figure out how to how to make it work if, if I had to go there. But, you know, I like having space. I'm a big guy too, so I, I hate feeling 
trapped everywhere and, and feeling like I'm squeezing in everywhere. And that's how you feel in New York and everything is so expensive. Um, obviously some of those things are, are less of a deal when you've got a lot of money to throw around like, like these guys do, uh, like, like VZ will. But that's one of those things I think you're either really into or not. And if you're a big city type of guy, you are not going to choose all else being equal to come to a place like Buffalo. And I love Buffalo for the reasons that I just described, the reasons why I don't want to live in a place like New York City. That's why I like Buffalo and why I feel right at home in Buffalo. And, you know, a big part of it, obviously, is my family is there. And uh, it's the place I know the best in the world, the area I know the best in the world. That's a big part of it. But cities like Buffalo around the country I feel much more comfortable in than cities like New York. So I think the Sabres are going to they're going to miss on some guys that have those big city aspirations. So they're going to miss on somebody like VZ who obviously has that in his mind. But conversely, you're going to really appeal to somebody like Kyle Poso. And he said time and time again after he signed with the Sabres how much he liked Buffalo and that he'd be able to raise his family here and he felt like he belonged here. Um, you know, coming from Minnesota, where I know he came from uh, the Twin Cities area. So it's not like he came from small town Minnesota. But I think there are a lot of comparables between a place like Minnesota, between really coming anywhere from anywhere in Minnesota to Buffalo, rather than going from a place like Minnesota to somewhere like New York or somewhere like Chicago. And a lot of the Canadian players are the same way. If you come from a relatively smaller city or small town in Canada, I think you're going to feel much more at home in Buffalo than in some of these bigger cities. So I think we have to keep that in mind and that it's really going to depend on when when these players become available in free agency, uh, you know, whether it's somebody in a VZ type situation, which doesn't happen every year, somebody that, that talented does not come available um, or it's an actual free agency, you know, July 1st, unrestricted free agency. You're going to have some players that are a good fit here in terms of what they want. You're going to have some players that are just not a good fit. So we're going to swing and miss on some players, but there are a lot of guys out there, a lot of small-town Canadian boys, you know, a lot of people from smaller cities that, that don't want the hustle and bustle, that Buffalo is going to really appeal to them. And now it's not like you have to choose between going to New York and getting paid 50% more or go to Buffalo, you know, be paid 50% less because uh, that's how it used to be in the in the uh, pre-salary cap days and in the, the pre-Terry Pagula days when the Sabres always were run on a budget. Uh, you know, under the Reguses, it was, it was even worse than it was under Galasano, but they were still a budget team under Galasano, though there was a cap in place at that time. And they did spend up to the cap – uh, in the in the president's trophy year, uh, but I think we just got to keep that in mind. And if that's what VZ wanted, it's it's hard for for Buffalo to com- to compete. But for somebody that wants to come to a place where they can be paid handsomely, and the and the Pagulas can front load contracts, they you know they're richer than virtually any other owner in the NHL, and uh, they can front load deals and and make it so that you get the most present value of money that you can add a certain cap hit. Um, And your money goes a lot further in Buffalo. So I think it's all going to depend on on what the values of these players are. And obviously VZ wasn't, wasn't a fit for that reason. You know, he wasn't drawn to somewhere like Nashville. 
which is a smaller city like Buffalo, um, that has a winning culture, but you know, it wasn't the, wasn't the limelight. And then they were talking about, he wanted to be in the Northeast. So part of it was, was proximity. I think proximity to his family, but also not having the pressure of being the hometown hero. Uh, and then part of it was the allure of New York. And another part of it was the guarantee of playing time. But this is kind of a double-edged sword for him because in New York, there's not much competition for top six playing time. But the reason why there isn't much competition for top six playing time is because they don't have very much high-end talent. And that is a team on the decline. You know, they have a ton of money tied up in goal. I was just talking about that earlier, how I don't think that's a formula for success. Now, I've got to give it to him. Henrik Lundqvist was a big reason why the Rangers have been at least somewhat relevant for a pretty good stretch of years. And you can make a pretty good argument he's the best goaltender of this generation. Um, you can also throw Roberto Luongo into that mix. Um, I'm taking as the, you know, kind of the period after post Martin Brodeur, post Dominic Hasek. Um, I guess you can even put Patrick Waugh into that generation. Um, but that is a team on the decline. They have that money tied up in goal. They have a lot of money tied up in declining defenders. You could Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl. Those are two horrible contracts. And then you have kind of this this mostly aging nucleus up front. But they have some young players, and they can be exciting to watch. But they they're declining. It's not a team with a super strong prospect pool. They don't have the these young guys knocking on the door, improving every year, and ready to take the league by storm. It's just not happening. So, yeah, VZ's going to get his playing time in New York, but is he going to put up the same kind of points he could have put up going elsewhere? If he'd come to, to Buffalo, where he would have had to fight for a top-six spot. There's, there's more forward depth here. Um, you know, I think he could have won a spot. And I think he would have worked his way up to a top six spot by the end of the year in all likelihood. Uh, but if he did win one of those spots, he'd be playing with Jack Eichel or Ryan O'Reilly in all likelihood. And he'd probably be playing with two of Eichel, O'Reilly, Ocposo, Reinhardt, you know, the, the Sabres' four best forwards. He'd probably be playing on a line with two of those guys. Um and you look at going to a place like Chicago, the downside with Chicago was that they're not, they're not going to be able to pay him in two years. So his entry-level deal is for two years. If he sets the, the league on fire and he, he needs to be paid in two years, they're not going to be able to pay him. They're still going to have all their core guys locked up, and they're going to have to trade him, and he could be traded anywhere. So he could be traded to the last team in the NHL that he wanted to get traded to, and that could happen. So I think that was the real downside with Chicago. New York, they should have the cap room to be able to re-sign him. If he comes out and he's probably thinking, you know, I'm going to come out and I'm going to put up 55, 60 points my first year. You know, I think he probably has a, has a big head like that. I think it's natural for athletes to have that. I'm not saying that's a, it's a bad thing to be confident like that. But, you know, if I have a couple of seasons of 60 points, then I'm going to get paid. And New York can pay me because they are going to have cap space. But, the part of the reason why they have cap space is, or they're going to have cap space is because they don't have these high level players that, that they need to lock up where Chicago has all these high level guys that have won that will likely continue to win. 
and that's why they have so much money tied up. Buffalo, they're going to have money tied up because there's a ton of high-level talent here. Young high-level talent, but if you project it out, you see what they can be. And the players that it looks like they're turning into, it looks like Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt are turning into, those guys are going to need to get paid big money. And they've already got big money now tied up in guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Kyle Ocoso. So I don't know about this decision. If I was in his shoes, I wouldn't have gone that route. I understand why he did, and I think that the combination of the allure of New York City, being close to home, and um, New York being able to pay you in two years and virtually guaranteed playing time is a big deal. I can certainly understand not wanting to go to Boston, not wanting the pressure of being the hometown hero. Uh, Claude Julien, he's been historically very tough on rookies and really makes you earn your spot. You know, Tyler Sagan had to play on the fourth line in his first year in the NHL, uh, and they eventually ended up trading him. I'm not saying that was necessarily Julien's fault or that he had a, had a, had a role in that, but um, he's notoriously tough on rookie players. And then Toronto also, I mean, there wouldn't be as much pressure on him as being in Boston because I think Austin Matthews has the weight of the world on his shoulders right now up there. And I think he's absorbing the vast vast majority of that pressure. But really any player in Toronto is under a ton of pressure. And I don't know how I don't know if that's a place I'd necessarily want to play. If I had my choice of anywhere to play. Just the, the media is pretty brutal up there. Um and it would be fun to be in in the division, you know, playing the Bruins and the Sabres. And uh, that may have had some allure for him, but I don't know how, how closely Toronto was even considered. I was surprised that they, they said that New Jersey was in the race to sign him, which was interesting. Um, I didn't really get that because, yeah, I liked their Taylor Hall edition. Uh, and they have one of the best goaltenders in the league, but how much do they really have? You know, they've got they've got some players that you can expect will be re- relatively quality, high-level NHL players. I'm thinking guys like Adam Henrique, um, Kyle Palmieri. They they've had some guys with quality NHL season. Not, I'm not trying to act like they're completely devoid of talent. But they don't have the the star power really of some of these other that these, some of these other teams could offer. Um, they're not, you know, they don't have the the glam of the Rangers um, or even of the Leafs. Uh, and I know that it's relatively close to New York, uh, but I think it's not quite the same as being in Manhattan if if that's something you really value. So I, I don't want to talk too much more about. VZ and, and his decision because he didn't pick the Sabres and now the Sabres have to move on. That's that's really it. So when looking at it from a Sabres perspective, shouldn't dwell too much on, you know, why didn't he pick Buffalo? I think th- the simplest thing is he didn't value the types of things that Buffalo has to offer. And that's something a player is either going to value or they're not. So not, not talking anymore about VZ's individual decision uh but more talking about its impact on the sabers i think this does open up the team to bring in a winger and there are still some guys out there uh yuri hoodler i think would be a nice fit would be somebody nice to bring in um i 
I do think right now you, if Tyler Ennis is healthy, it's a relatively full forward core, but it's not completely full, even with him healthy. I think Matt Molson needs to fight for a spot in the top 12. Nick Delorier needs to fight for a spot in the top 12. And you're going to have competition, too, from Justin Bailey, maybe from William Carrier, um, maybe Hudson Fashing. I guess we'll see what happens when we get into camp. Uh, the fourth-line center role is open. I don't know if any – none of those players have, have been at center, so none of them can be competing there. Marcus Felino's played a little bit of fourth-line center. I think it would be weird, though, after him having the best season of his career so far last year to move him. Wouldn't really make sense, so I think they want to keep him on the wing. So there is an opening out there for a fourth-line center, and I've tossed around the idea of Paul Gostad in my head coming back as a as a good face-off guy, uh, not having to put a, bu- a bunch of pressure on him, but coming back to a place where he's familiar, I think that could make sense. I don't know what type of money he's looking for. Obviously, the type of money he made on his previous contract would be out of the question. You know, we'd be hope, hopefully looking at something like one year, $1 million or something like that. Uh, an even cheaper option, you probably could bring back David Legwand on a PTO, a professional tryout. Uh, that could work, and you could probably get him at close to the minimum salary and i i liked what he brought last year you know he wasn't anything special but i think as as a stabilizing presence on the fourth line he could do a lot worse than leg wand uh and you always need that patented guy on your team that can't finish breakaways and that was exactly what leg wand was last year uh but in terms of the top nine so yeah you've got ns penciled in for one of those spots evander kane penciled in for one of those spots um, and Marcus Foligno penciling for one of those spots. I'm thinking logically down the left side. So you, you, you think you have three top nine left wingers. Down the middle at center, um, Eichel, O'Reilly, Johan Larson. And then on the right wing, um, you're thinking Reinhardt, Akposo, and Gergensens, who is still not signed. So you think, okay, I've, I've got a pretty solid top nine forwards. And then Gianta, I would push Gianta to the fourth line, which I think giving him gradually less and less responsibility is, is best as he gets older. And I think he thrived last year as pressure was taken off of him where he wasn't expected to fill a scoring role. Um, so you think, okay, I've got a pretty solid top ten forwards there. Uh, but depth would be fantastic to have, especially when you do have an injury you're injury prone down the left side. So Evander Kane, he he misses games virtually every season. He is injury prone. It's really because of the way he plays. Uh, Tyler Ennis, obviously very injury prone. You don't really know what you've got there. So you have some vet wingers out on the market that I think can fill top nine roles. And if you can bring them into a deal where, say, they don't, they're not in the top nine because everything goes right and everybody stays healthy where it doesn't hurt you. So if you can if you can get a guy for one year, one and a half million, something like that, um, I don't know what the market is for somebody like Hoodler or uh, maybe somebody like Redeem Verbata, who's also still out there. Brandon Peary thought about, too, somebody he kind of fits in with the, uh, the age of the core players on this roster, where he could maybe be a, a sneaky upside type of signing. But if you can sign somebody to a deal like that, where 
you think, okay, I've got a potential top nine player here. Um, but if everybody stays healthy and this player doesn't fit into my top nine, I'll still use them. They'll still be in my lineup. And the salary they're making isn't going to hamstring what else I can do because they're not going to want to operate at the cap this year. And they still have to sign Zemgis Gurgensons and Rasmus Ristolainen. And I don't really know what their prices are going to look like at this point. I talked about it quite a bit on the previous podcast. Uh, but they'll be relatively tight after signing those two players, unless Gergensen's is to a cheap bridge deal, which is possible. Maybe that's what Ristolainen is gunning for, too, to try to get an even bigger payday in a couple years. That's very possible. That's It seems like teams have, have gone away from that more, but the Sabres did sign a couple guys to those types of deals. They signed... Felino to that type of deal uh, where it was basically him just signing his qualifying offer. Uh, they signed Johan Larson to a bridge deal, uh, just a, a, a cheap one-year deal. Um, they signed Jake McCabe to a relatively cheap three-year deal. Uh, so that's possible. A lot of guys in this roster have gone that way. Maybe it's Sabres management trying to push him into signing those types of deals. But I think, with, especially with somebody like Ristolainen, you want to try to get him locked up at as low a cap hit as possible right now. And obviously, his agent and his client's interest is going to be resisting that and saying, okay, yeah, I'm willing to take a long-term deal, but it needs to be a healthy enough cap hit for me to give up that potential upside. Because there is a lot of potential upside there where if Ristolainen really does develop into the stud number one where he could be looking at, eight million dollars a year on a contract say if he takes a huge leap forward next year or the year after so i understand why this is taking some time but i would just like to see it see it finally get done um so beyond those issues training camp isn't too far away i'm certainly excited for that to start uh, <laughs> everything in bill's land has been keeping me pretty distracted so, I mean, I, I can't believe it's already almost the end of August, but that's something to look forward to. And uh, just looking forward to getting the, the last pieces of the offseason wrapped up here. And so you're going to see who, who they go into camp with and what their real competitions are heading into camp and how healthy everybody is because it's still, you know, it's still offseason mode. So it's kind of hard to get, it's hard to get reliable news about, the players and, and their situations at, at this point in time. But I think you will probably see uh, a decent battle up front. I don't think there's going to be much of a battle on the back end unless they bring somebody else in. Chris Russell, that's a name, somebody that's still out there who I think is a solid number four type. And who, I don't know what type of money he's looking for, but that could be somebody they look at as another, uh, another left-handed defenseman to provide some depth. But I don't expect them to make a move like that when it looks like they probably will be fairly tied up against the cap. I think they will look to bring in another winger, though, unless they're just enamored with Justin Bailey and they think that he's going to come out and make the team. Uh, I think it, it would be much better to bring in another guy for competition and kind of let the chips fall as they may during camp. I think, I think that would be ideal rather than putting too many of your eggs in in one or two baskets so i'll end there for now i don't want to hit on every single topic i possibly could because i'd like to have something to talk about next week 
Uh, but I appreciate you listening. It's great to get my hockey thoughts out there. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon.